Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. It's still really damn it, damn it. Everybody, welcome to this week's edition of the Still Real Does Show, episode number 614 for November 18th, 2021. This is your AW Full Gear recap and review edition, plus WWE Survivor Series preview and predictions edition of SRTU. I'm one half the show. I am Jeff Pack, joined every single week by co host, the one only Dr. Trey Franklin. And Dr. Trey and I were having a very in-depth conversation about travel, my friend. Yeah, because you uh, somehow in this in this uh, voyage of, of 10, 11 years that we've been on, you now have become more of the intrepid traveler than I have. Like you, you get to vaunt or uh, you know go go gallivanting around the country, and meanwhile I'm kind of stationary in, in, in the abyss known as Alabama. So I'm a little bit jealous here of, of, of your travels lately. Yeah, I know, and it's it's a kind of like a really dumb thing to be like, I'm tired after coming back from vacation. Um, <laughs> but like, it is, it, it's it's the truth, I'm just being honest. Uh, I traveled today, uh, we're doing the show, probably, I, I landed about like six hours ago, um, and thankfully the airport's not too far away from me, so it's uh, it's easy to, you know, unpack and everything like that, but... What I was saying to Dr. Trey off air is that like a travel day, like for whatever reason, like you, I, I don't know what it is, man. I don't know if it's anxiety. I don't know if it's like getting yourself in a good headspace about it, but like I go into the day and it's like, there's a lot of shit we got to do. And, and it's so much more stressful now, especially like COVID and crap um, and going through the security lines and whatever. It's a very like high anxiety, like stressful travel day, which is weird because you're, that's how you end, you choose to end your vacation. But, like, by the end of it, when you get home and, like, everything's done, you're like, oh, my God, I got a fucking migraine from this. Like, it's, like, insane. And it's just sad to bitch about it. But uh, what I was saying was, like, travel took a lot out of me. And then I was talking to, like, the formal travel master, Dr. Trey. If you're a longtime listener to the show, you remember we would open up the show and I would always ask, like, where in the world is Dr. Trey Franklin this week? One week it would be San Francisco, California. The next week it would be 
Newark, New Jersey. Like that was legitimate. Like you were going coast to coast in, in between up and down north and south all over this country. And every single time I've talked to you, whether it was on air or off air, you were never bothered by it at all. And in fact, you like loved it. And you didn't travel by airplane most of the time, right, Dr. Trey? Like you were a driver to most places. Yeah, no, I I mean, I was actually, I was pulling up in my yard, I was looking at my car, and I bought this car that I currently have about four and a half years ago. It had 90,000 miles on it, and it's sitting at 280,000 miles now. Wow. So just... I've got I've got 190,000 miles just in the last four and a half years, and that's two and a half of it have been basically just here in Alabama. Um, and I did the math on it once. I had driven like over like 1.6 million miles uh, in wow. my in my traveling career. It was like just crazy numbers, and and that's what I was thinking about. Like, like you know, you talking about your your anxiety level. I'm like, that's probably why I didn't get as much anxiety from traveling was the fact that I was driving and it was just me, and I didn't have to worry about anybody else i didn't have to worry about airport security i'd have to worry about luggage i'd have to worry about any of that stuff it was literally just me and windshield time and, and like i remember uh one of the like when i first started dating my current wife one of the things i was i was adamant about was i was going to make sure i didn't miss a weekend with her if i didn't have to and i remember one time i was in i was doing a job up in uh, up in long island uh, in bayshore and we got done with that job on a Thursday, and I had to be in Columbus, Ohio on Monday. I drove 19 hours straight home just so I could see my then-girlfriend uh, to then turn around and drive back to Columbus, Ohio that Sunday. So I literally got about a day and a half at home. But it was stuff like that. Like I wanted to make sure that I was making time for those I loved, and if it meant me sacrificing some sleep or whatever, I'd do it. But I, And now you know, two and a half, three years removed from traveling that I have those days where I'm like, yeah, I miss being on the road. I miss just driving up and down the interstate, looking at just random weird stuff that you would see, but I never really dealt with the airports like you do. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't have the anxiety. I don't have to deal. I didn't have to deal with TSA and airport security and the other travelers and, you know, being in the middle seat and, and having, or, and the, or the worst thing, being in the aisle seat, having the, the soda car bang against your elbow every 20 minutes, like right when you doze off, it was ridiculous. What was your favorite place to stop food-wise when you traveled the uh, the roads? <laughs> um, as far as restaurants or like oh, – yeah. so, so the big debate among the wrestling community is Wawa versus Seats, you know, like the gas station foods. Yeah, Wawa is pretty good for gas station food. Yeah, and then but then you talk to people from the south, and they'll tell you sheets is even better. So those were like I would, I would travel a lot of it was based upon like where I was at. Like uh, if I was traveling kind of the Midwest, look for pilots and flying J's because those were the big truck stop uh, gas stations that they always had drinks and food and clean bathrooms and stuff like that. Wawa in the northeast, sheets in the south. I didn't really like every, it was every region had a different place. Like if I was in the Ohio area, um, oh, what was the name? There's a place in there, Skyline Chili. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Texas and Oklahoma, I'd stop at Whataburger. If you're out west, it's In and Out. Uh, so there were certain places just kind of dependent off the region I was in that I would base off. Like when I go to Memphis, I always go to Jerry Lawler's Barbecue just because I'm a diehard wrestling fan and his barbecue place is actually pretty decent and it's in a little strip mall you know it's not even like a big i i, I kept thinking it's gonna be a big 
big building, and it's nuts. It's like a little strip mall, Jerry Lawler's barbecue, decorated up like the old Mid South or the old uh, arena in Memphis, and it's got actual folding chairs from the Mid South arena there in Memphis. It's just a really cool vibe. So, just kind of dependent on where we were at uh, as to what we were going to get to eat. And last question before we get into AW full gear recap and review: favorite place to visit throughout your travels, and uh, and like legitimately, if, correct me if I'm wrong here, but didn't you say you went to like 48 of 50 states? I've been to 49 of 50 states. What's the one you're missing, the Alaska? I'm, miss, I'm missing Alaska, okay. and I've also been to Toronto and Winnipeg, and then also down into Mexico. Okay. okay. So, um, as far as like just scenery, I love Seattle. It's beautiful to visit. There's so many cool, like, you know, the Kurt Cobain's gravesite, Jimi Hendrix's gravesite, the, you know, the, the, the needle up there. Like, it's, it's just a really cool, it's, it's really kind of different than anywhere else in the country as far as, like, scenery, as Sammy decides he wants to play guitar for you as well. Um, it's just different scenery and vibe than just about anywhere else in the country because as long as I was traveling, I, I started realizing after a while, like the only thing that's different is the trees and the accents. I mean, most places, the same shopping malls, the same strip malls, the same stores, the same restaurants. But, you know, you get into Seattle and the weather's different. The vibe is different. The trees are different. The landscape's different. It's just kind of like a, it's kind of like going to Ireland without having to leave the country. That's a funny way to put it because it's always like foggy and rainy there too. Yeah. Yeah, and then but then you hit this you hit spots in the summertime and it's just beautiful and you just drive out to the coast and it's like it's got that little it's, it's weird it's kind of like during the summertime it's got a little bit of a California vibe to it, but then you get into you know the fall and the spring and you get that rainy fog and it's like this just turned from like California into London almost it's just it's it's a really cool place to hang out and spend time and the people there are usually pretty laid back and chill for the most part as well. So there you go. A little travel talk with Dr. Trey and I, some real-life stuff as we uh, get you through this wrestling week and get right into AW Full Gear recap and review. Dr. Trey, I did watch this show uh, while I was away on vacation. Uh, pre-show, pre-show match here. Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa taking on Jamie Hayter and Nyla Rose. We did not predict this match. Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa got the victory. Uh, I thought it was a good pre-show match that set up a lot of storylines for the TBS Championship Tournament moving forward, like Sheeta's knee injury and the issues with Serena Deeb not ending anytime soon. We saw that carry over in Sheeta's loss to Nyla Rose on Wednesday in the TBS Championship Tournament. I thought it was an enjoyable match that accomplished what they were looking to do. Any thoughts there on the pre-show match? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a fine match. Um, has anybody, though, dropped in AEW as much as maybe Nyla Rose has? I am not a big Nyla Rose fan. I'm, I'm not either, and and I I hate it because a lot of times she gets the Nia Jax comparisons being oh, unsafe. It's more like Tamina, yeah. I think. Yeah, and I, but you just look at where she was on the card when AEW launched to where she's at now, and I'm like, she may have dropped farther than anybody else on the AEW roster from the time the show launched to where we're at now. Uh, spoiler alert, have some interesting words about the AEW women's division here in just uh, a couple moments. Stay tuned. More on this. There you go. Next match was the opener. Darby Allen taking on MJF. You and I both had MJF, and MJF defeated Darby Allen. Uh, high praise for this match. Phenomenal match that gave us insight into the future of AEW. The chemistry of MJF and Darby Allen comes off the screen really well. Great in-ring work by both men and great storytelling throughout the match. Must-watch match for any fan. One of the best AEW matches this year and a favorite one when we look back at 2021's matches of the year. 
Dr. Trey, I have high praise. I love this match. MJF, MJF defeating Darby Allen. Yeah, I thought it was a really great match as well. And, you know, it's, it's probably going to be up there for one of my favorite matches of the year to go back and watch again. Um, I mean, just, just a little stuff in the match. And then even, you know, the homage to Sting and Flair. And I don't know if everybody caught it, but then you see, you know, MJF walking in the Scorpion Deathlock, but then Darby comes back with the figure four. You know, I, I just loved that little contrast in styles and everything else. And, and if this is where we're going to see AEW at, at, like headlining the show in three years, I think we're, we're in good shape for AEW. Totally agree. This was some really good insight into the future of the company. And uh, for two guys that, like, they're not really praised for that in-ring work, I loved it. MJF and Darby Allen, great job. Uh, next match here for the AEW World Tag Team Championship, the Lucha Brothers defeated FTR. You and I both had the Lucha Brothers getting the victory. I thought it was a great tag team match. I didn't like the mask switch pin spot that softened the FTR loss over the Lucha Brothers. Uh, according to reports, it wasn't supposed to go the way that we saw it. And the reason why it, it panned out the way that it did is because um, Dax Hardwood, the former Scott Dawson, was legitimately like knocked out and, and like loosey-goosey during the match. like He just wasn't with it. And uh, that's one of the reasons why it came off really bad. It was a great match up until the finish. Lucha Bros defeating the FTR. Dr. Dre, what say you? Yeah, like I, I, I thought it was a, a really great match. The ending was a little weird. Overall, really good. But then also, this also made sense, though, later on when we got later on in the show for the Cody tag match with the run-in. It was an odd run-in. So that now, when you get the report, you're like, oh, that, that makes all kinds of sense as to why... Dax was a little bit slow on the run-in, so but overall, like uh, two of the best tag teams to watch, and they put on a good match. They just had a little funkiness at the ending, and that it's it happens. So, you know, good show, good match. Uh, next match here was Brian Danielson defeating Miro in the AW World Championship Eliminator Tournament Final. We both had Brian Danielson. I thought it was a really good match. I wasn't a big fan of the finish, the DDT into the chokehold. And it would be nice if AW showed replays post match because it kind of caught me off guard. And I was watching right away. I was like, "Wait, what? That's that's the finish." Doctor Trey, what say you? Yeah, I think the guillotine is my least favorite move in professional wrestling now because I bitched about it with Roman Reigns, and now I bitched about it here because it just kind of came suddenly. And you know, you had a lot of other spots in the match where you could would have made more sense for a finish, but then you know, we've sold the 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 Miro neck injuries for the better part of the last like four or five months so it made sense it's just the way it happened kind of caught people off guard and like you said there's no replay and we're going into the next match right away and it's like what that we're not showing that like you need to slow that down so people understand why it's a compelling finish for to put away a guy like Mira who you know that was a fantastic match for those guys um but the finish, the finish just came up quickly and sudden, and there's no replay, and you're just kind of left going, oh, okay, that's it? Okay. I thought the other spots were better. Uh, next match here was Christian Cage, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus defeating the Super Click of Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. Dr. Trey and I both had the Super Click getting the victory, uh, so we got that one wrong. Physically demanding match. I love the storytelling throughout, and Jungle Boy's facial reactions made the match for me as he struggled with doing the concerto for the win and then looked emotionally relieved when he got the pin. Dr. Trey, this is like storytelling one-on-one to me. This was a great match as Christian Cage, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus got the victory. Yeah, it's great. And then I also have the comments here in this one where you can see spots where they, they reference Jungle Boy directing traffic. And it's kind of you know showing the maturation and the leadership of Jungle Boy coming out. And 
you saw earlier in the match when they had Adam Cole down and, and Christian's handing Jungle Boy the chair and he couldn't pull the concerto off. You know, then you get down to the finish. Like, I, I really enjoyed this match. I liked how they fought. Like, these guys don't have bad matches. Like, the, 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 the chemistry between these six guys is really good. And, you know, the, the cross section of the veteran with Christian Cage and then Luchasaurus, the monster, and then Jungle Boy and the stuff that the Super Click does. It's fun. It's entertaining. Like, I love the pink and black that the Super Click had as well. Like, all that stuff, those little nuances are so good, especially for long term wrestling fans. So, fantastic match as well. Uh, next match here was Cody Rhodes and Pac defeating Andrade El Idolo and Mal- Malachi Black. We did not predict this match uh, as it wasn't announced until uh, after we recorded the show. Uh, to me, Dr. Trey, the match seemed rushed and a little bit of a cluster. It felt like it was setting up something bigger in the future. We have a four on four match for Dynamite Thanksgiving this Wednesday. I was thinking maybe a fatal four-way match, which reportedly was supposed to be the original plans for this one. Uh, what say you on this one? Cody Rhodes and Pac getting the victory. Yeah, it, it seemed kind of all over the place, and I guess that's kind of, I don't know if that was if they had planned on doing a tag match and then just had to put it together in a short amount of window. That's why it didn't get as much time as the other ones did because the other one matches were you know announced farther out. But you know the the, the blind tags in and out, the the issues between. I mean, the storytelling was okay. The injuring stuff was all right. It just it kind of felt just like the the chemistry didn't line up that well throughout. Although it was weird, like you're watching Andrade and Malachi, and I was, I'm sitting there watching, thinking back to the matches they had in NXT, and I'm like, you know, those guys, the 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 way they work does work well together. So if that's some place somewhere to go down the road, I think I'd be okay with it. But it, it just kind of felt all over the place, and I st- I still think Cody's struggling with trying to figure out who his character is supposed to be right now because you know, he'll, he'll try to fire up the crowd and then just get booze. And then it, you just feel like he's frustrated at times. So, um, and I, sometimes I feel like that frustration comes out of the match, but overall, like it wasn't a bad match. It just wasn't up to the quality of what those four guys can do. Lots of tweener stuff lately going on in AW from Brian Danielson to Cody Rhodes to CM Punk. AW doesn't care when it comes to the tweener stuff. <laughs> Next match here was, what was that? Dr. Trey? I said, no, you're right. It just, and it, Drives me nuts because I don't like tweeners. I like knowing no. who my good guys and my bad guys are. Dr. Trey is a very much cut and dry guy. He needs it. Yep. Said to him, whether they like it or not. Yep. Uh, next next match here uh, was Dr. Burt Baker, DMD, defeating Tay Conti for the AW, to retain the AW Women's World Championship. Dr. Trey and I both had Dr. Burt Baker getting the victory. Uh, to me, Dr. Trey, the match seemed very slow, and they did not connect well. Uh, this match showed me why WWE is a better women's division than AW right now. Going back to the opening match, you talking about Nyla Rose. You know, there there's definitely an Achilles heel in AEW right now, and it is the women's division, which is sad to say, because Dr. Burt Baker is one of the best characters in AEW, and Tay Conte has been one of the best, like, coming out of nowhere stars for AEW out of all the roster the entire year. Like, she really broke out for AEW and had a great year. But this match just did not do it for me, Dr. Trey. What's a you, Dr. Burt Baker, retaining the AEW women's world title? I, you look at when you look at AEW, you can tell there are different tiers of your good women's wrestlers and your ones who are still learning. And I, I still put Tay Conte, The Bunny, Anna Jay, Nyla Rose. Those girls are kind of that category where you got your Dakara Sheetas, your Serena Deeves, your Thunder Roses, your Britt Bakers, uh, and your Ruby Sohos are in different level. And when those levels are in the, working against each other. Those matches come out pretty well. But when they cross over, 
you get stuff like this one where it's clunky in spots. Like you just feel like somebody forgot where to go or forgot what to do. Or you see somebody like go to do an Irish whip and like the other person just kind of stops for a second. Like we didn't call, you know, it's just, it just feels all over the place. Like I think the storytelling, the storytelling of the match is fine. It's just the progress from getting from point A to, to point Z was off in the middle. So, you know, in Ty Conte, this is her first big pay-per-view match. Uh, she's probably, I mean, you can tell in the beginning she's nervous. So I'll give her a pass, and this is her first foray into that main event level. Um, it's just kind of a question of can she get past that and progress her way back up? Because she's got everything you want in a main event performer. I, I just don't think she's on that level experience-wise where she can carry a match. Next match was CM Punk defeating Eddie Kingston. Dr. Trainer about that CM Punk and the victory. Match was physical, had a ton of energy. The finish wasn't my favorite with the knees to Kingston and then the second GTS. I felt like it would take more to take out Eddie or at least a stronger buildup to take him out. Uh, but overall, a uh, good match. Probably the best Punk match so far in AEW. Uh, really enjoy this one. Surprised by the crowd reactions. Uh, Eddie Kingston is beloved. CM Punk defeats Eddie Kingston this past Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, where was this show at? Cause I totally forgot. It was in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. I was just, I just totally blanked it because I was trying to figure out like why. Because I was the same with you. I'm like, I was kind of taken aback by the crowd response because I was kind of thought this would be. I didn't think it'd be a pro one. I thought it'd be more. Oh, I'm sorry. Minneapolis, Dr. Troy. Okay. Minneapolis. Well, it makes a little more sense, I guess, because, I mean. You know, Eddie Kingston did make his his bones in the Midwest in a lot of ways. IWA Mid South areas like that. Um, I just you know I thought it'd be more fifty fifty split, and then by the end of the match, it was very much a pro Eddie crowd. Which, if you watch the match, like Eddie, kind of took the beating a little bit, and so maybe the underdog feeling got the crowd riled up and supporting him. But you know, I I really enjoyed the match. It was hard hitting. It was physical. I wasn't. I didn't hate the finish maybe as much as you did because Eddie's lost matches like that in AEW, so it wasn't too surprising. Like you would think, it would take more to put a guy like Kingston down based on his size and, and kind of his character. But you know, the match with Miro, he lost with a Savat kick. You know, Danielson. You know, he's lost matches kind of like this before in a similar fashion. So I didn't hate it as much, but. It is weird to see, you know, Punk getting booed so early after his return and how that crowd reacted back in Chicago. And that's kind of the same region. So you'd think the crowd would be the same response, and it kind of flipped on him at the end of the match. But overall, I thought it was a really good, hard-hitting match and maybe his best match, but I still like that Darby match, though, too. Dr. Trey, we could talk about this as a topic somewhere down the line, but I really feel like Eddie Kingston is like AEW's version of Mick Foley. Yeah. I, I could buy into that. Maybe that's why, you know, the Kingston Moxley pairing is, was so good because Mox in a lot of ways is kind of what they kind of want their Austin to be. So, I mean, everybody loved Austin. Everybody loves Mick. And Eddie Kingston can take a beating and run his mouth. So those are two things that Mick Foley was good at. It's so shocking what, like, the renaissance of Eddie Kingston. It's a great story. Um, I remember seeing Kingston 11, 12 years ago at ROH Final Battle. I think he took on Chris Hero in, like, a false count anywhere match. And he was over but not to the degree that he is now. And he was in Impact Wrestling like three, four years ago. I think working as like a manager, right, Dr. Trey? Yeah, he was managing the, like the new OGs? LAX. The new LAX. Yeah, the LAX. 
Yeah. Was it the OG LAX or the new LAX with Santana Ortiz? No, because Conan had the new ones. He had the OGs. He had Homicide and... Uh, and Hernandez, right? And Hernandez, yeah. And, and Kingston was the manager for the for the OGs. Which is so strange that, like, where he is now. I mean, great for him. Very, very happy for him. So, uh, Next match here, 10-man tag team Minneapolis street fight match. The Inner Circle defeated Men of the Year and American Top Team. I had the Inner Circle, Dr. Trey, and Men of the Year and American Top Team. Uh, this bordered on a fun, entertaining match and a clusterfuck. At the same time, uh, the Junior Dos Santos and Andrade Arvlaski, uh they obviously need to be carried in this one. Makes you appreciate what Ronda Rousey did when she made the jump from MMA and wrestling pretty seamlessly. Uh, you could hear Jericho audibly yelling for Junior, meaning Junior Dos Santos, to hit him before the Lion Salt spot on Dan Lambert. Uh, I would be totally fine if this feud ended now. It was a good stopgap for Inner Circle before whatever they do next and elevated men of the year somewhat. Dan Lambert should remain as Sky and Page's manager after this. Uh, I love the Baron Von Roski spot. That was pretty awesome as well. Uh, my favorite chant of the night actually took place in this match. It was uh, something along the lines of like, uh, "We want a street fight," because they were they were. It was a street fight, but they were doing a tag team like it was a Survivor Series. It was it was bizarre, and then all hell broke loose, which uh, happened throughout the entire night. Where like just hell broke loose. But it, this bordered on fun and entertaining, but also a clusterfuck at the same time, Dr. Trey. I don't know how I feel about this one. This was kind of like my my car crash match where, like... Good call. It had... It, it basically, like, I it was, it was at times so bad I couldn't turn away. But other points were really fun. And so I'm like, I don't know where I'm going with this. Like, it's probably what you're saying. Like, I, I, I was entertained, but then I cringed and... You know, when you're hearing audible calls in the ring, it's like, geez, guys, like a little subtlety, like Jericho had no quit, no choice though. He had to. No, no, he had to, and, and that's that's you know, like you said, like when you see guys make their foray into wrestling that don't have the wrestling training, uh, it just gives you more appreciation for the Ronda Rouseys, the Ken Shamrocks of the world, the people that made that transition so much, a little more seamless. Than, than what these guys are doing. And even to go back to, uh, who was the guy that wrestled Brock Lesnar? Uh, oh, um, Kane Vas- Velasquez. Yeah, like, he, he struggled with it. And, you know, Arlovsky, Santos, these guys are legitimate badasses. And it is hard to get, to go from legitimately fighting to doing what we do in wrestling and not kill somebody. So... It's, it's, it is a hard transition going to not actually punch through the guy's face and to kind of condition the punch so you're not killing the guy. So I give him credit for getting to try. I give it, you know, Dan Lambert a ton of credit for getting out there himself. Um, but yeah, I, to me, I'm, I'm, if this feud ends, I'm, I'm fine with them. Let Paige and Sky and if they want to keep Dan Lambert, great. If not, Dan Lambert can go back to doing MMA and, and be Dana White of Bellator or something. So. Uh, either way, I'm fine. I'm just ready. I'm, I'm kind of glad we got to see Sammy Guevara move on, and hopefully, you know, Jericho Hager and, and uh, Santana Ortiz can find something else to do instead of dealing with uh, the MMA group. Speaking of Sammy Guevara, just before the uh, main event here, AW announced the signing of former ROH World Champion Jay Lethal. Uh, Jay Lethal announcing he is signed with AW and challenged Sammy Guevara for the TNT Championship on Wednesday, which Sammy accepted. I have not watched the full match yet. Looking forward to that one. But uh, big signing for AEW, Dr. Trey's Jay Lethal is now under the fold of uh, All Elite Wrestling. 
Yeah, great signing. Uh, one of the classy, well, one of the, the best in-ring performers of, of recent times. So uh, it's good to have him on the roster. And then he also announced that he would not be in Ring of Honor's uh, final battle either, that his focus is all elite wrestling, and that's where he's going to stay at. So kind of a, a kick to, a kick in the groin to uh, a Ring of Honor heading into their maybe their final uh, pay-per-view ever. Uh, and then finally here, the main event match, Kenny Omega, uh, excuse me, Hangman Adam Page defeated Kenny, Kenny Omega to win the AW World Championship. I had Hangman, Dr. Trade, Kenny. Uh, this was a good match with great storytelling. I really enjoyed the finish with Nick and Matt Jackson getting involved, uh, but not attacking Hangman and Matt Jackson. Um, I, I love the finish of this one where Hangman was about to attack Kenny. Matt Jackson nodded his head at Hangman before the second consecutive buckshot lariat to Omega. Fun match, great storytelling, which seems to be the theme of this entire uh, pay-per-view, Dr. Trey. Your thoughts here is we have a new AW World Champion, Hangman Adam Page. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I really enjoyed the match. I just, like you said, the storytelling was great. Um, do I wish this had happened a couple months ago when Hangman was probably a little bit hotter? Yeah, because it kind of, I'm not saying it came out of nowhere, it just... I don't know. I, the, the timing of the title change felt a little bit off to me. So especially with, you know, Brian Danielson winning the Eliminator tournament, you know, we were all hoping for maybe Omega Danielson too. Instead, now we're lining up for Paige and Danielson, which is a different kind of animal altogether. So overall, like the match in the short was great. And uh, congratulations to Heyman because this is where we all thought he was going to be. Well, two years ago when AEW launched, and now he's finally here on top of the card. And hey, they've made another main eventer in AEW by putting Hangman on top of the on top of the mountain. Uh, Pay per view prediction record: I went seven to one. Doctor Trey went five and three. Doctor Trey leading two thousand twenty one now ninety eight and thirty seven. I'm just behind him by one ninety seven and thirty eight. Uh, my match of the night was MJF and Darby Allen. I gave the show with three point seven out of five. I thought there was about three or four matches that really stood out. The rest was kind of like a, like a like a mediocre show, so I gave it a three point seven. Doctor Trey, where do you stand? Match of the night and uh, event rating. My match of the night was MJF and Darby because it was the first time in wrestling history that I can remember where I saw a headlock takeover technically win the match. Uh, so you gotta give MJF credit for coming up with that. Uh, I'm at about a three point six, so maybe just I'm right there with you. I'm with you. Like to me, four of the matches were really good. Uh, Three of the matches were pretty good, and then a couple were okay. So overall, I, I give a lot of credit because I mean, this is back-to-back pay-per-views that were pretty damn solid. Um, but AEW seems like it, it, it kind of feels like they're getting their takeover groove when it comes to pay- pay-per-views, where they're all going to be really, really solid, uh, and some are going to be fantastic and great. Uh, Dr. Trey, there you go. AW Full Gear recapped and review is in the books. There are some things that uh, I have down here that I want to talk about that we, we will get to. But, um, and you kind of, if you go and listen to like back to me discussing the main event, like I'm, I'm sitting here and I see this news come across that just completely shook me. Um, just was shocking because it happened about. So it's 9.38 p.m. here on the East Coast as we record. This came in around 9.21 from Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful.com. I don't even know if you know about this yet, Dr. Trey, but um, Fightful has learned that WWE has released John Morrison, Top Dalla, Ashante Adonis, Adonis, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Tegan Knox, Drake Maverick, Shane Thorne, and Jackson Riker. WWE just released Hit Row completely now. 
victory. Well, that makes perfect sense because it wasn't like you just had them on smack. Oh, yeah, you did. Unbelievable. I, the John Morrison one, it, it's somewhat surprising, but not really. I mean, you just release his wife. I'm not totally surprised by that. He get knocked. The girl's battled out for two ACLs, and you're going to let her go now if she got on the main roster? Like that. Trick Maverick, the guy's got more lives than a cat. Uh, but to release Hit Row, when you, it, th- this is, you know, this is this is Malachi Black all over again. Like you just did all these vignettes, hyped him up, you put him on the show, you put him in an angle with Sami Zayn, and then you're going to release him now. Like that makes. Av- I mean, Top Dog was just on that show that they ran with the collectibles. Like the dude can talk and he can run his mouth. He's a big dude, and you're going to pull the plug. I, I I don't get it. I'm completely dumbfounded right now that you announced that you said that. Yeah, I'm like just shocked by this. To be honest with you, like. Um, you know, you never want to say that anything is, is shocking, right? Um, you know, that there's releases that happen that you were like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Like Jackson Riker, Shane Thorne, I get it. Drake yeah. Maverick, unfortunate of, of what's happened. Tegan Knox just barely being used. Morrison was kind of doing like this, uh, like, like, uh, like, uh, almost like a, like a monk in a way, like, like a, like a character like that. And then, but hit row, all of hit row is gone now. Yeah. Not like you just had one of those guys as your North American champion. Also. I mean, this is Bronson Reed all over again. It's like, just moved him. You just made a big deal about him and the pull the plug. I mean, hell the John Morrison thing. I've literally thought this like about a week and a half ago. I was like, how great would you see John Morrison and Matt Riddle together? Like that would have been fantastic. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know why they didn't pull that trigger, but but the, it would hit row. It's like you you just hyped them up since the draft. The draft was what six weeks ago, five weeks ago, and the entire time, like you made them a focal point of the draft to now release them. That's that's it, it's we defend you and I defend WWE quite a bit. I, I at this point I, I have no defense for this. The 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 releases I have like nothing. I mean, I could just be like, okay, I get it. They're not being used, but I don't. I, there's no way I could ever defend these releases, especially now. I mean, how does this happen? Yeah. And not to mention, it's not like okay. So John Morrison, if you were looking at money wise, John Morrison probably got a pretty decent contract. I get it. He's not a focal point of the show. It's not like Hit Row's making a ton of money. Like those guys were all just on developmental deals. Just got moved up. I don't know if they're looking and going, well, we got Street Profits, we got New Day, you got Carmelo and, and Trick down at NXT. Maybe they're looking at it like we're we're maybe overloaded in this one department. But why f- feature somebody for five, six weeks to then pull the plug? Yeah, it, that just it makes no sense to me. It's just it's ridiculous. I yeah. I have no idea what to say right now. I can't believe Hit Row has been released. I, I mean, that's just like so shocking to me. Why, why are you moving these people from NXT to SmackDown just to release them? What was the point of calling them up? And not like SmackDown doesn't need some new, fresh, young talent to feature and stuff. Like, could you imagine how good of a match? I mean, I'm not what's saying the, what's the end, But what's the end game here? For WWE, really. I, I, this has kind of derailed the show. 
in a way. But what's the end game here? Honestly, I don't know because I, you know, some of these other releases, you could say, hey, contracts are like I said, like with John Morrison, probably got a pretty good contract size. You know, he's a veteran, been around. You can see them cutting veterans. You can see them cutting people they're not using. Shane Thorne, like I mean, I honestly, Shane Thorne's one of those guys that you probably could have released him two years ago and nobody would have, you know, batted an eye about. You know, but to release an act that you're featuring on your A show five weeks after moving them makes no sense because I don't know what the upside is. I mean, they're not, like I said, they're not making a lot of money. You're featuring them. The crowd was getting into them because they weren't doing their heel tactics. They were kind of, you know, baby facing it up a little bit. So I, I don't get it other than maybe they are just trying to pare down the roster as much as possible, but there's still other people that, you know, there's a, I don't know. I, I really don't know how lean they're trying to get at this point. I really, I, it makes no sense to me. Uh, I don't, I mean, how, how, th- how is there any way that they sign anyone? How, how yeah, do they like, sign anyone to like a deal that's coming out of ROH just, right now? Yeah. In the last, you know, I mean, unless they're trying, like, I mean, I, I, but a lot of the RH guys look like they're going to all leader impact. But even if you're a guy on the indies right now, in the last couple of years, Swerve Scott, uh, Trey Baxter, um, oh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but a lot of the, even the top indie guys, the young indie guys they've signed, they've now released. So if you're a guy on the indies and you're in your mid to late 20s, in WWE approaching the contract, and you're looking at you know the the, the Blake Christians of the world and, and, and the Swerve Scots, and you're like, wait, y'all they just released those guys within a year and a half at most of being into their WWE tenure. Why would I sign? I can go somewhere else and at least get featured for a little bit. I mean, it, it, like the 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 supposed story was we're only going to focus on people we signed from football and bodybuilding and not deal with the indies altogether. Like if you're, if you're a guy from ring of honor looking for a contract, why would you sign with WB if they're releasing younger talented guys from the indies? What makes you think you're going to stick around? So it's really confusing. I don't really understand their modus operandi right now. I thought they had something there. I really did with, um, with hit row. Uh, I don't get it. Man, but if you're a GCW or any of these other companies that's looking to kind of bulk your roster up and maybe make a run at that Ring of Honor spot, man, now's the time to really capitalize. There's a bunch of young talent on the roster, a bunch of young, pissed-off talent that will get out there, get on a microphone and say some stuff to get you some notoriety real quick. So Game Changers, your PWGs, anybody else that wants to take a run at that Ring of Honor spot, Man, now's the time to jump on it. Uh, just looking at some of the stuff here. I mean, AJ Francis, a.k.a. Uh, Top Dollar, said, see you all in 90 days. Hashtag budget cuts. We made something special. Now we get to, again, hashtag the crew. Swerve Confident, The Adonis, WWE, The Vibe, Bree. Uh, he pipes up his, his album. Um, I don't know. Every time we go through this, I mean, this is the first time that I could really think of this 
happening live during the recording of the podcast. Um, I'm just trying to like read up on a bunch of stuff as we sit here too. It's just, it's like, it makes no sense to me. It, this, these, these really like, I don't know what the end game is. I don't know who WWE is looking to sign. I know everybody's like, well, anybody who gets released, it's like X, Y, Z. Well, they'll be great in AEW. AEW can't take on all these people. Dr. No. Trey. They no, can't. There's only, so, there's only so much room on, on the life raft. Yeah. You and know, then some, some people are going to be Jack, you know, Jack from Titanic out there on the piece of wood floating off into the, you know, to the cold water and even impact impact. Now, Impact can sign some of these younger guys and maybe make some noise, but even Impact doesn't have a ton of room. And if you look at everybody that's out there floating around that hasn't signed deals yet, you know, the Braun Strowman's, the Bray Wyatt's. I mean, there's only so much money to go around. And much as we love Tony Khan and AEW, even he's got a budget at some point that, you know, yeah, you can sign a bunch of guys, but where are you going to stick them? Like, there's only... You know what? Four hours of actual tell or three hours of television time each week, and then the stuff on YouTube. Like, are, are your sponsors on YouTube on Dark and Elevation really bringing in that much revenue to kind of help cover some of these costs? I, like right now, like I said, like if I'm GCW man, I am reaching out to every damn sponsor, name brand, anybody I can get get a hold of, and start trying to fight for that Ring of Honor time slot. You know, reaching out to, like, look, we got TV, we got sponsors, you know, we'd be really good at, like, 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night type slot, trying to get their name out there. Because, I mean, there's a ton of talent floating around now. It's crazy how much talent there is out there right now. Uh, it's just ba- I just feel bad for the wrestlers because ROH, uh, who knows what happens after the end of the year. AEW can't take on everybody. I know Dr. Trey pointed out GCW. The Indies is, uh, you know, I really don't have my pulse on the independent scene as much as I used to anymore uh, based off of what's, you know, what's been going on. Um, this is the this is the text from the email. That res- I'm sorry. I, I'll read this in just a second, but I just don't know where everything is like right now in the world of wrestling. Like I'm, I'm just concerned about where wrestlers are going to be able to go with their craft. Like maybe something comes up as well. I know we talk about impact wrestling, but I don't think impact has made any, uh, as many signings as we probably expect that they would. Maybe some stuff is on hold right now, but just, wow, it's just strange. Um, this was the email that was sent out due to budgetary cuts. The following WWE talent released today, November 18th, 2021, John Morrison, Top Dollar, Shante Adonis, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Tegan Ox, Drake Maverick, Shane Thorne, and Jackson Riker. So, thank you, John Laronitis. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Thank you. What's the what's the, what's the guy from here? His name's Khan. Uh, Nick Khan. Nick Khan. This is a thank you, Nick Khan, because this is this is WWE trying to get as lean as possible to maximize profits or whatever is coming on the horizon. Because now, listen, there's been rumors that, you know, WWE's been looking to sell the company for a while. I mean, to me, this is them trying to get as lean as possible to make themselves more appealing to a company that may want to step in and buy them out. Because otherwise, if you're trying to build for the future, why are you releasing such young talent? It, it, that makes no sense. Like, yeah. listen, Keith Lee's 37 years old. I, I can get it. If you feel like you can't make it work at 37... He's only got maybe six, seven more years in that spot. Carrying Cross, kind of the same boat. But when you're cutting, you know, your Trey Baxters, your Swerve Scotts, your top dollars, when you're cutting these young people, 
that's that's your foundation that you're building towards the future with. And if you think, hey, Odyssey Jones may be a huge star, you know, Ron Breaker may be a huge star, but right now you have no depth behind those guys. Like you rushed up some guys that maybe were maybe still six months to a year away to fill into anything 2.0. You're you're cutting out your legs right now, and I, I don't get it. Like I like I said, I can understand John Morrison. John Morrison's in his you know late thirties, early forties. I can understand you know some of the other ones, but to cut people in their mid to late twenties that you can use on your roster for fifteen more years, that makes no sense to me. If I'm Triple H, um, my vision of, of what I saw as the future for the company is just going down the tube. Um, looking at some of the most recent NXT North American champions, Isaiah Swerve Scott now released, Bronson Reed released, Leon Ruff released. Um, going down the list here, Keith Lee released, Valentine Dream released, Adam Cole left on his own accord. Um, NXT, which was like the, the pulse of the wrestling fan, I mean, there's not many people left now. That are that are Triple H guys, Doctor Trey. If I'm Gargano, Dunn, Champa, I'm I'm nervous right now at this point. Like, am I next to be cut? Because all these people are coming through the NXT, they're signings of Triple H, and they're not sticking around. Hit Row gone, Tegan Knox gone, Shane Thorne gone, Drake Maverick gone. Like, I don't know. Karen Cross, Keith Lee gone, Adam Cole left on his own. This is weird times for WWE, man. But uh, there you go. Breaking news. Some really major and shocking releases yet again here in World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, let's get through some of these rest of these topics here. Dr. Trey, before we close up this week's edition show, Kenny Omega has reportedly been working through several health issues during his AW title run. Um, he is reportedly needs uh, multiple surgeries right now. That's the current word. He's been dealing with bouts of vertigo when he's in the ring where the room just spins which is obviously not healthy. Uh, he came out on Dynamite and said that uh, he's going to be taking some time off. There's reports out there that it may be uh, until February. could be longer. But uh, I think that uh, that just goes to show you how much we should appreciate the Kenny Omega World title run, Dr. Trey, that he has been battling injuries throughout this entire time. Basically, his entire time in AEW, according to reports. Yeah, I mean, he worked a very hectic schedule at New Japan before he came to AEW. He's been one of the workhorses of AEW since, you know, since the brand launched. Uh, and then he was splitting, you know, he was bouncing back and forth between Impact and AEW. So, yeah, the guy's been working his tail off. Maybe when he comes back, you know, he'll be healthy. You know, and the absence makes the heart grow fonder. I mean, Kenny takes time off, comes back. Heck, he might come back as a babyface, come back as a heel, come back feud with Adam Cole, whatever. Uh, and maybe he can uh, fix his Harley Race Triple H uh, beard mustache combo as well while he's gone. <laughs> yeah, uh, it appears that there's some tension now in the elite between he and Adam Cole, which has always been teased for the longest time. We'll see if it eventually leads to something. That's that's the word on the street that this eventually leads to uh, a Adam, or excuse me, a Kenny Omega babyface turn here at some point. But some major love and props to Kenny Omega for his AEW World Title run. Um, switching over to something that we used to love but no longer love as much as we used to, Dr. Trey, NXT 2.0. Uh, it's possibly changing a TV 14, according to reports. There is talk amongst the uh, USA Network executives that NXT 2.0 brand may switch to TV 14 content rating soon. Uh, WrestleVotes noted that NXT 2.0 concept was an idea being discussed with TV 14, uh, but it has not happened yet. USA wants the move to take place. 
Is this a move that you think should take place? Should NXT 2.0 be a little bit more edgier uh, according to the rating scale? See, to me, I, I, I am a big proponent of you have to mirror what is going on in society. I think society's gone a little bit, you know, it, it's gotten edgier, it's gotten a little more violent, and I think the rest of that, that's what made the Attitude Era great, was they mirrored what was going on in society. Um, so I think that'd be a good move. Plus, I is AEW Dynamite TV 14? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, and so, and they, and, and the coolness factor uh, that the, all the, all the, the demos love is what AEW does because they are a little edgier. And if USA seeing the ratings uh, of Dynamite and seeing the content there and seeing the, the social media buzz uh, that it's garnering, then I would, I, I, to me, this would be the, the way the test run it. It's kind of like, you know, what we see in baseball. You want a pitch clock? You want to move the mound back? Try out the minor leagues first, and then we'll bring up the major leagues. Hey, NXT is your developmental. That's your minor leagues. Try some stuff out, see if it works, and then see if we can bring it up to the uh, the bigger shows. Uh, and then finally here, Dr. Trey, before we preview and predict WWE Survivor Series, uh, according to uh, the Internet Wrestling Database, Randy Orton is reportedly set to break the WWE pay-per-view record uh, this coming Sunday for most appearances in a WWF WWE pay-per-view. Uh, the Raw Tag Team Champion is currently tied with Kane at 176 and will surpass him at this Sunday's pay-per-view. Randy Orton and his tag partner Riddle are scheduled to face WWE SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Usos at Survivor Series. Rounding out the type, top five for most WWF WWE pay-per-view showings. So we've got uh, Randy Orton will surpass Kane at 177, Kane at 176. You want to take a crack at the other three top five for most pay-per-view showings in WWE history? Um, I'll put John Cena in the top five. Okay, he's uh, there. He is number five at 163. I would put Edge in my top five. Eh. No, really? I'm surprised. I thought he had a nice long run there. Um, oh, longevity, career, Miz. Eh. Wow. And Dolph Ziggler. Eh. Okay, then I'm out. I, like, I, had, I got it. I got Cena. So who else we got? Who are the middle two? Because if you say Taker, I'm going to laugh. Number three, The Undertaker at 174. Really? So who's number four? That's what we're missing. He is the man whose vision is currently being stopped in the ground by John Laronitis, Triple H at 173. See, I, I, for some reason, I figured Triple H with that quad injury and him taking a year off and then the run he had towards the end, he would probably be a little further. I just kind of thought Edge from that run he had with, you know, when he first debuted all the way up through the Edge Christian, all the way up through his World Title run, kind of, you know, stacked some numbers in there. But, uh, yeah, I. I'm sure he's in my top. I'm sure he's in the top ten, though. So. Yeah, I don't have that those full numbers there, but uh, there you go, sorry, top yeah. five. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> What's that? What were you saying? I said sorry. I, didn't, I, I put you on the spot there, the top ten. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately. I have to take a look at the internet wrestling database. But kind of surprising there that Randy Orton is the top guy all time, huh? Yeah, because I mean, really, when you think of some of the other names we mentioned there, like Orton, for a little while was injury prone. Right, and then yeah. you think of like guys like Dolph Ziggler and Miz, who never really had major injuries, uh, you know, until Miz recently, and and Ziggler with his concussion, you know, you would figure the mid card guys that were always workhorses would would be higher on that list, and that's why I was kind of aiming in that area. But you know, for Randy, as much time as he missed with injuries and suspensions, 
to become number one just shows that longevity of you know twenty, you know almost almost twenty years, two thousand, yeah, twenty years in WWE now. Yeah, he's had almost a twenty year run. I think it will be twenty years. I think next year, two thousand twenty two. Crazy, it is, and and he's like Kane. I think Randy Orton is often underappreciated, and we like start to be realizing last year that he's one of the best of all time with his run that he had in 2022, excuse me, 2020. Um, but there you go. Randy Orton going to break the all-time WWE pay-per-view record this Sunday at Survivor Series. Uh, speaking of Survivor Series, Dr. Trey, let's get into it here. Let's preview and predict the show for this Sunday. We will recap and review it on Thanksgiving morning. Yes, Dr. Oh. Trey and I sit with us during Thanksgiving, get away from the family. We'll recap and review everything that has taken place uh, at Survivor Series this Sunday. Uh, Damian Priest, the United States champion, takes on Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental champion, who I'm surprised wasn't released because he's a Triple H guy. Dr. Trey, both these guys, why not release both of them? Um, Dr. Trey, your thoughts on this one? Who walks out in the champion versus champion match? Um, I'm going to take Damian Priest because Shinsuke's got the bigger name, so I'll take Priest to get the rub because they, I mean, he, they've had him beat Drew McIntyre and Sheamus and Jeff Hardy, three former world champions in the last, uh, you know, three months. So uh, why not add, uh, you know, Shinsuke to the list? So I'll take Damian Priest getting the win. Uh, I will take Damian Priest as well. I like Damian Priest a lot. I think he is uh, a future star in the company. However, I really do not like his Damian and then Priest gimmick that he's playing right now. Like, could it be any more 1994? playing on our television screens right now like live forever is pretty good archer of infamy good run there don't know why we got to have like a titan tron that has damien with like god uh like hell and then priest on the other side where it's god just wait, wait. Little... i'm just saying wait till he comes out in the full like he, he steals reverend like, or deacon devon's gimmick like two-face he's, he's two-face yes yes stupid uh, next match here, champion versus champion match. RK Bro taking on the Raw Tag Team Champions. RK Bro taking on the Usos, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. I'm going to go with the Usos in this one, not Trey. What say you? Yeah, I'm trying to balance my SmackDown and Raw wins because I. And by the way, I like this pay per view a lot better when it was Battleground. Um, so bragging I, rights I, before that. Yeah. So right now, I'm I'm with you. I'm taking the Usos. Uh, because you know Roman doesn't want SmackDown to lose, so maybe uh, maybe we, we Roman gets involved because he's got a history with Randy Orton. Uh, this match has yeah. a ton of buzz going into the pay per view, which is a good thing. A lot of animosity reportedly, and and legitimate lo- animosity, and they're turning it into good business. Champion versus champion match: Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch taking on the SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair. This is a tough one to call, Doctor Trey. Who do you like in this one? Uh, I like Becky because Becky's the company gal and everybody hates Charlotte, so I'll take Becky. Yeah, it doesn't help that uh, Ric Flair's been saying some weird stuff lately about WWE, like he wants his NWA and Winged World Championship back. However, I'm going to go with Charlotte because I think Becky's gotten the best of Charlotte recently, and I think, believe it or not, Charlotte needs this win over Becky more. I think if she loses to Becky... It's not good when you compare the two. This is their rock and uh, and Austin right now. It has that capabilities in the women's division. So I'm going to go with Charlotte. Dr. Trey going with Becky Lynch. And that takes us to our next champion versus champion match. Raw's WWE champion Big E taking on SmackDown's Universal Champion Roman Reigns. Dr. Trey, nobody beats Roman. I'm going with Roman Reigns. 
Yeah, and this is the match that you and I had been wondering, like, if there was going to be somebody to cash in and beat Roman. Big E made a lot of sense. Uh, now we're just getting it in a champion versus champion match. But I'm with you. I'm taking Roman. So I, that's why I'm picking Roman and the Usos uh, on the SmackDown side. And then Becky and, and, and Damian, dramatic pause, Priest uh, on the Raw side so far. All right, let's get to the five-on-five women's Survivor Series elimination match. Team Raw, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Queen Selena. Take it on Team SmackDown. Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, Natalia, and the recently announced this evening, Tony Storm, Dr. Trey, what's AU? Who do you like in the women's Survivor Series match? Uh, team SmackDown has less infighting, so I will take Team SmackDown to get the win here. Um, yo, the Shotzi and Sasha Banks stuff, man. They had, yeah, did they all they battle got, it out this past Friday? You got the, the Dewdrop and Bianca drama, and uh, to me, and then you know Carmella and, and, and Queen Zelina. Hey, they're on, they're they're doing well, but I just look at you know also from a talent standpoint, I just think Team SmackDown has more talent. Uh, this is a tough one to call. I'm going to go with Team Raw. We're split on this one. I think somehow Shotzi costs Team SmackDown the loss here. He gets into it with Sasha Banks. I could see Bianca, Rhea, Liv uh, really carrying the Team Raw team. I think this is this is great. I mean, the women's division to me, I mean, there's not a lot of bright things about WWE right now, especially coming off of 15 minutes ago talking about some another round of shocking releases that took place during the pod. But uh, the women's division to me is is really really fun to watch and um has dare i say the attitude era vibes of just how strong this roster is which is makes me very sad when they release someone that is so damn strong like tegan Knox. Yeah. um and then finally the five on five men's survivor series elimination match team ross seth rollins finn balor kevin owens bobby lashley and austin theory replacing Rey mysterio taking on team smackdown drew mcintyre jeff hardy king woods happy corbin and to be announced I have no idea Going into the show right now, who's going to be filling that spot? Uh, I'm going to go with Team SmackDown in this one, Dr. Trey. I think we have uh, Kevin Owens being a little bit like Steve Austin, costs Team Raw the match like Shotzi does for SmackDown, takes out Seth, takes out Finn, uh, leaving Bobby Lashley to be taken out by Drew McIntyre for the 1-2-3. Uh, so I'm going to go with Team SmackDown to win this elimination match, Survivor Series elimination match. See, I'm picking Team SmackDown as well because that way SmackDown actually wins and they don't like to do 3-3 draws. So 4-2 SmackDown gets the advantage. So that's why I'm taking Team SmackDown. So there you go. WWE Survivor Series is in the books. We will recap and review it on next week's show. Um, so Dr. Trey taking Team SmackDown for both Survivor Series matches. So you, you really like SmackDown wiping the floor with Raw on, on well, Sunday. I- I mean, if, there, if there's six matches and, and SmackDown wins four out of the six, I don't think that's a complete butt kicking. But you know, SmackDown is the A show, and so I uh, just kind of want to give them the edge because that's just how. Plus, I mean, yeah, listen, I love Austin Theory. The guys, the guys wrestle around my home state, but Austin Theory's in the freaking men's Survivor Series match. That to me is a little bit crazy. So uh, yeah, SmackDown. I'm Team Blue. All right, Team Blue. I like it. I usually side with Team Blue most of the time as well when it comes to Survivor Series over the years, even though they're like the A show now. Uh, with that said, let's get a couple plugs and sponsors out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at thebowershow.com, WrestleChatNet on Twitter, and the Surreal Toast Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us on the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And, of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? 
Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Just search out Dr. Trey Franklin. Uh, and when you're on Facebook, be sure to keep an eye out for Rocket City Championship Wrestling as we have another big show coming up this Saturday. And then in two weeks, we have, I believe it's our four-year anniversary show. Is it our four-year and a five-year anniversary? We have our anniversary show coming up in a couple weeks. I'm just, I'm on a lot of uh, uh, NyQuil right now for battling this flu that I've had. So I don't know if it's four or five. But it's our anniversary show, so we always do really big stuff there. So keep an eye out for that, too. Just check it out. Rocket City Championship Wrestling on your Facebook page. Uh, next week's show, Thanksgiving. Dr. Trey and I will recap, review WWE Survivor Series. We will announce the holiday schedule as well. Uh, we'll try to throw in a little bit of stuff of what's going on in the world of professional wrestling as well. During the show, breaking news kind of derailed the whole podcast, as you can tell from like my mood. Uh, just a sad, sad, sad night to, to have Hit Row completely now released. John Morrison released. Tegan Knox released. Drake Maverick, Shane Thorne, Jackson Riker. Uh, just across the board, this these release stuff really makes it hard to be a wrestling fan, especially lately, because uh, like we've been talking about, it's like, what's the end game here? What are we headed towards, and why? So, um, weird weird pod here, unfortunately, as we got halfway through it, but uh, fun nonetheless. Thank you for making us part of your week, and we look forward to be parting be part of your Thanksgiving, one of our favorite shows that we do all year our Thanksgiving special. It gives you an opportunity to uh, get away from the family for a bit as uh, we talk professional wrestling with all of you. Feel free to hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash show. Hit us up on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. Uh, if you've got travel thoughts as well, hit us up on, on, on all those areas as well. Dr. Trey has plenty of travel stories. So until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Beck. This is The Starota Show. Marry Me. Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma. Marry Me. Directed by Kat Koiro. Rated PG-13. Streaming now only on Peacock. Sign up now. Visit PeacockTV.com. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.